Well, who doesn't love a little Doug in the Slugs, right, this early in the morning? I know Vaughn Palmer's a big fan, aren't you, Vaughn? You know who else is a big fan? Who? John Horgan. Really? So in <laughs> his right. last days in the Premier's office, they've been playing day by day. Doug and the Slugs <laughs> song that. about having gotten a few things wrong, but going on, feeling strong, continuing. Uh, Horgan's son recorded a version of it on YouTube and sent it to his dad, son lives in the UK. Uh, John Horgan says he's lost count of how many times he and Ellie, when they were younger, went to hear Doug and the Slugs I love it. at the Commodore. So yeah. Uh, That's a great band. Doug and the Slugs are one of the highlights of my time as a music critic. I just love Doug and mm-hmm. it's so sad that he died so young because he was a great singer and a great songwriter. So uh, John Horgan goes off into the sunset listening to Doug and the Slugs day by day, and <laughs> he could do a lot worse. <laughs> no kidding. I love the staying power of the music, yeah. too, right? Because yeah. I still hear it all the time, and I love it. Yeah, it's so no, it's, it's true. And and the band still goes around and, and performs. They were here on the island recently. Uh, I guess I did not go, but I guess they have a new vocalist since... Uh, Doug's not available, but uh, the band's still together. And Simon, who was in the band, uh, is fairly big, uh, writing music for the movie and TV industry in Vancouver. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, good to know. I've got to add that to my list then. Um, talking about what else is going on here in terms of politics, so interesting couple of days that David Eby has had. It sounds like some big changes are coming for how we deal with the downtown east side. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Eby hasn't said a lot about what he's going to do as premier. He's, he's holding back. But if you if you kind of follow his interviews and all the different ones, and I sort of try to collect them all, uh, you get bits and pieces of what he's planning. So when he was on your show last month, he said that uh, the downtown, he says, worse than ever. He knows that. He, he worked down there as a young lawyer. And he also said that it's overwhelming. The city can't deal with it anymore. So I see last evening he told Global, told Richard Zussman, uh, the city is, isn't going to be asked to deal with it anymore. Neither are the agencies, neither are the police, not solo anyway. The provincial government is going to take ownership of the downtown east side. I think he's right about that, Simi, but that is a bold and gutsy mm-hmm. move because it has resisted all efforts to solve it. It keeps getting worse. And I, I mean, I would say to the listeners, if you've not been down there in the last couple of years, I've gone through a couple of times getting to the Helijet. And uh, in the cab, and I've gone to the cab driver, I hope the doors are locked, because it really yeah. is something to see. I know Global has had reporters and uh, and camera operators down there and has shown people, but really, seriously, uh, you cannot question the courage of a premier who says he's going to take ownership of that, because this will be formidable. It really will be. He is certainly, and as you point out, he's been signaling this for some time. It shouldn't yep. come as a surprise to local politicians because he has, you know, I thought he pretty clearly said it too when he was on with us. That was his intention yep. was to revamp this, have the province take over. And it's especially surprising, I guess, Vaughn, given where he got his start. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, got his start as a young lawyer down there, uh, harsh critic of the police, harsh critic of uh, the system, uh, spoke up for, defended a lot of the people who live down there. So as I said, when he says it's worse than ever, 
He knows what he's talking about. He he said a couple of other things that if you put together the picture of what EB plans to do emerges. So he's also come out for mandatory treatment, right? And that's <laughs> his old friends in the Civil Liberties Association came out and criticized him for it. But he's stuck to it. He supports mandatory treatment. We can't just uh, let people uh, overdose, send them back out on the street, overdose again. You're going to have to have some kind of a system that's mandatory. He said as well, they're going to deal with chronic offenders down there who aren't in the among the mentally ill. Uh, they're just people taking advantage of the system. And another one that I is really struck by is he agrees with the calls we've heard for a modern-day version of Riverview, a place where mm-hmm. the mentally ill will be detained and housed and treated. And, you know, the language around that can be pretty explosive. I know he's made a point of saying, folks, we're not talking about the old Riverview. We're not talking about one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But we are talking about building a new facility that will get some of those people off the street. Doesn't like tent cities. So you put all that together, this is one very ambitious plan. Some parts of it, Simi, will take a long time. You cannot build a brand new Riverview overnight. No, you cannot. It's interesting how openly he is talking about this. It does signal big changes are coming. And I'm thinking if you are one of the organizations that is providing some services down there, take note. Yeah, I think so. You know, the the Vancouver, the VPD got all the criticism they deserve for that half-baked report they put out this week. But the one thing that did come through is that even though their numbers were overinflated, Governments together are spending a staggering amount of money on the downtown east side. Uh, Reliable and accurate estimates, $500 million. I've heard that number uh, from government people. So that's a lot of money. It's not $5 billion. That was bogus. But $500 million is still a lot, especially when you're spending $500 million to make things worse. So I do think that there needs to be some sort of audit down there, some sort of assessment of results. Uh, If the police had just stuck to the $500 million number, I think they would have made their point and avoid the political backlash that that they deserve to get. But again, uh, this is going to have to be a multifaceted thing, and it is no doubt there are going to be all kinds of glitches and problems. Uh, SROs are a good example. Mm-hmm. You know, single-room approximately hotels. That goes back to the liberals. It sounded like a great idea. They bought the hotels. They converted them. They put places for people to go. And we now know that the people won't stay in them because they don't think they're safe. And they're right. They're not safe. So I... As I said, it takes guts to take ownership of this thing, and I I wish the, the new premier all the best in trying to get there. The one thing he has going for him on this is the B.C. Liberals, the opposition, and the Greens agree with the elements of this. The Liberals also, also support the idea of building a replacement for Riverview. Uh, there is support for where the premier is headed on this. And that may lead at least to him getting the benefit of the doubt as he proceeds. 
Okay, so that's coming. Uh, let's also talk about the situation involving urgent care centers and openness and transparency. <laughs> this story, Vaughn, I tell oh, you. Yes. <laughs> this government never stopped telling us that they were the most open and transparent government ever known in history, right? And then you just keep collecting examples. So back in the spring, the liberals got a hold of, and the media coverage got a hold of, the data on these new urgent and primary care centers that the government is opening. They're supposed to be a substitute for emergency wards and and a backup for walk-in clinics and to deal with patients who don't have family doctors. So the government has created more than two dozen of these, and the health ministry was keeping stats on the staffing levels. You looked at those stats, and Simi, these centers had, you know, plenty of support staff and clerical workers and administrators and no doctors. Uh, A lot of them had one family doctor. Some of them, uh, the doctors had checked in and checked out. uh, So there were waiting lists, so they couldn't really help you very much. And the government was really embarrassed. So uh, my colleague, Katie DeRosa, Vancouver Sun, Post Media, Uh, asked for the latest numbers recently, and she got them. They released the latest update on staffing. They've stopped breaking out the number of doctors. They just give you the aggregated number now. So you can't figure it out anymore. Oh, well, you know, (laughs) it's it's so obvious what they're doing, so obvious why they're doing it. They were embarrassed by the fact that there were no doctors in these facilities or not enough doctors. And rather than provide us with an update on how it's going, they've just stopped giving us the numbers. That's crazy. Like, that's not going to, don't, don't they understand that that's just going to cause more questions? Well, that certainly was my reaction to it. And Katie's got a good story in the Vancouver Sun today pointing it out. But I have to say, uh, this government has been incredibly stubborn on this issue. On the one hand, never stopped insisting that they're open and transparent about everything. And yet every journalist who covers them close on stuff, every reporter, every news organization has examples where they are anything but open and transparent. And this is one of the latest examples. It really is. Okay, so are people, are, are they even emphasizing these UPCCs anymore, Vaughn? Well, they opened two of them recently, so they seem to still think they're a great idea. You know, the, the healthcare staffers have nicknamed them using the letters UPCC. They call them oopsies because they, they don't deliver what they promised. But they're still committed to it. They're still, there are communities where that's it, right? Uh, you know, you, you go to an urgent primary care center. If the staff are there, if there's a doctor there to see you, you know, it's it's better than waiting in an, in an ER, and you can get some kinds of treatment. And some of them are better than walk-in clinics. So, you know, on the, on the long curve to the future, where we move to a mix, a different mix of primary care, I guess they fit in. But Simi, they might as well be candid and honest about it, yeah. because people in these communities know whether or not it's a waste of time to get into the UPCC exactly. or not. They know what's going on out there. The only thing the government is, is it, it's not telling the general public the situation because it would be embarrassing. Well, yeah, it's embarrassing, but claiming you're open and transparent and doing the opposite is kind of embarrassing as well. It is. All right, Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi.